0: podcast has bad words.
1: (laughs) Every little thing you think that you need, every little thing you think that you need, every little thing that's just feeding your greed, oh I bet that you'd be fine without it.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode 128. T- today we're going to talk about, what, Ryan, resetting or, or healing in a re- way. Recharging, healing, yeah, all those things. Yeah, I mean, the, the way Recovering that I- tour. Yeah, this is like a, the, the you know the initial use of the word recovery, meaning to like literally recover. You and I have spent the last. Uh, 12 months on the road, and I say you and I... <laughs> Josh, we spent the last eight years on the road, dude. <laughs> well, I, I think we're both right then, but, right? But this is actually the last tour, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, th- I think so. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know if it's the last... It's, it's certainly not the, the last the, events that we'll do, It's but the
2: last bit of on the road we're going to do uh, uh, the rest of this year.
0: Yeah, and, and there might be an event or two out there, but we're certainly not going to do any prolonged touring. And I talked about this on the intro to the last episode... Um, just briefly, you know, for me, the thing that I've learned is we've done, this is our eighth year and we've basically done eight tours in, in those eight years. Right. And in doing that, we, we've done short tours, long tours, five of those eight were like these really protracted tours. Like this last one was a year long, 50 cities. The one in 2014, 100 cities, 119 events. That one was even more grueling in a way. But in some instances, it was actually less grueling for, for a bunch of different reasons. And uh, there, there are other times we've gone on the road for you know, the very first tour we did was like nine months Uh, where we did 33 cities we go out for you know a A couple weeks yeah yeah. or two weeks or whatever and i found that like for me the sweet spot is like if we decide to do another tour in the future it's got to be a week or two weeks max (laughs) it can't be a year and it can't be you know this year either like I, i just just pausing and taking this time to recover because I get really excited about about touring, but by the end of it, I'm like exhausted, and I'm ready to say, "Okay, I want to focus on something else." I would not, I would, I don't want to
2: be exhausted any other way, man. I mean, hmm. the whole tour was was awesome. Like Mariah was able to be there with me the whole time. Um, the 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 audience was awesome. It was great getting out and meeting our new. Readers and our new supporters, yeah, because um, it was it was a lot of new folks uh, just because of the documentary, right? Um, yeah, I, I guess it's my way of saying like, yes, I am exhausted as hell, mm-hmm. uh, but I am very delightfully exhausted.
0: Yeah, well, and, and here is the other thing. So I was I heard the stat yesterday, Ryan, and it made me think of how we used our resources last year, and that re- our most precious resources are our time and our attention, mm-hmm. but the companies use year after year they'll use 90 percent of their resources on the same thing that they did last year Mm. so you think of some corporation they say okay we have a hundred million dollars we're going to spend 90 million dollars the same exact way this year as we did last year but yours and my most precious resource is our time. It's not the money that we make. And so we have a certain amount of time that we can spend this year. And the question is, do we go out and do another 50 cities again? No, like, it doesn't make sense to keep using your resources the same way if you want to be innovative. And I I, I actually think that going out for a, a year and doing a tour, while well, it's it's really rewarding, and we get to touch a lot of people, have a lot of meaningful conversations. Now the question is, how can I, how can Figuratively I... Figuratively speaking, we touch them. No, we give them hugs. <laughs> Lots of hugs. Uh, do, do you not touch people when you hug them? <laughs> well, I, we didn't really do the hug lines this time. So uh, We've I, done a hug line every single event.
2: <clears throat> we have. Oh, yeah, that is true. We did. We did do hug lines this one. It wasn't the
0: typical hug line, but we yeah, did yeah. we lines. did we did the pre show VIP events. Well, in, you're talking in physically Australia. and figuratively speaking. Yes, yeah, and and I guess my what well, my point is here is that I don't want to keep using the resources that I have, this this time that I have, the same way. I, I think it's productive to do something else with it, and mm. I'm really enjoying getting back into this this re, this creative. Not routine, routine is the wrong word. Creative habits mm. is is the better word. Writing, and then also we're working on this, this documentary, and then podcasting. To me, that's the three-legged table where I think we can provide the most value to other people's lives. The touring helps in, in one way, it gets the message out in a different way, but in in, tor- in terms of using those resources, the way to reach the most people is for us to do this. We're we're behind these microphones right now. We're in our beautiful new studio space. Thank you to our Patreon supporters for this this space here in Los Angeles. Uh, we finally got this new table in. Ryan saw it for the first time today. He walked in here. He <laughs> goes, "Oh my God! I think we're legit now." <clears throat> yeah, we have this a, is great. We have yeah, an I like actual these studio. chairs, too, man.
2: I can't wait to give our. our, our uh our patrons, our patronages, our patron
0: <laughs> patrons?
2: Yeah, yeah. Is are, that right? Are you, are you patronizing them? <laughs> I cannot wait to give them a tour of this space. They're gonna love it.
0: Yeah, we'll do. We'll do a video tour. We got a couple small things we need to button up first, and eventually we're gonna do a video version of the podcast as well. So you can subscribe to our YouTube channel over at YouTube.com/slash/TheMinimalists and. We will uh, do a video version of this once we have enough Patreon supporters for that. Ryan. I really felt like we've so this is episode one twenty eight. I feel like we've we've really hit a stride since episode 100 for me but especially in the last few episodes i was going back this weekend and uh, listening
2: so you feel like you know what you're doing i still don't
0: i still feel like i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) i don't know that i know what i'm doing but (laughs) i i'm glad one of us is confident in this podcast i feel really good about the conversations that you and i have had so we did an episode on quality recently it was episode 126 loved that uh episode 123 with paul johnson the, the hobbies podcast which you we called it hobbies and we talked about hobbies but you really could have called that one creativity it was really about creating mm. in a way I, that's one of my favorite conversations we've ever had and it was a crazy long podcast but like we had the most meaningful conversation just sitting here with paul from canyon city and and, and just talking about uh, about what it meant to produce meaningful creations, not content generation, but producing meaningful creations. And in episode been, 122, we talked about I've been pe- trying so hard oh. to not use the C word, content. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> it's like the worst C word in my vernacular. Yeah, it's the worst seven-letter word in the English language.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to count the letters, see if that's right. Yeah, um, but no, it's every time I catch myself. I was saying it the other day. I'm like, oh, I know. I was like, oh, yeah, uh, to a mentee. I'm like, you know, you've got to... Um, you know, if you want to put content up, then you got to focus. And I'm like, wait a minute, let's just, let's just talk about content for a second. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, take a step back.
0: And here's the thing. It's, it's a, it's a sort of amoral term. Like it does, it's not inherently bad, oh. but, but it has become bad. It's become vapid within the everyday vernacular. And people think of like, I mean, I think of there, there are people out there putting out podcasts, putting out three podcast episodes a week, just so they can get more content out there. And, it's okay to make three podcast episodes a week if they're good. It's it's great to do it every single day if you're good at that. But if you're doing it just to generate more content to help you out in the numbers game then it actually waters down what your creation what your creations are and it makes them less meaningful right if you're doing it just to create more for the sake of creating more it actually gets in the way of what you're trying to accomplish i think and so we we sort of had a conversation about that we had a, a few other conversations one is about how we're using social media this year i really enjoyed that that episode that was episode 120 Episode 119, we talked about decorating, and 118, we talked about collecting, and those were like the perfect sort of combo together, talking about collecting things, and then also how we, you know, sort of the the aesthetics of of home life, uh, so decorating, and then uh, most recently, we had that conversation with Derek Sivers, and... New Zealand, uh, and man, like I remember enjoying the was event. Was that a good
2: one? I, you know I don't listen to any of our podcasts.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... Was it was it good now? Uh, yeah, it was It was better than I remembered it, even. Awesome. Like I remember really good enjoying now. it, well, walking because, out of there. That's because Sean
2: produces it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's always going to be better than what we remember it,
0: because podcast Sean does a great job of making us sound... <laughs> awesome he puts a like a sheen on on top of it <laughs> right <laughs> he corrects our spelling mistakes in the podcast yeah and and but that conversation with Derek was so good and I got text messages from friends who were like that's the best podcast you've done in a long time and nice. I'm like yeah it was it was really good and, and so there's there's a lot out there uh if you want to go back and check out the archives bring up the the Rob Bell one man that's like Oh, the religion
2: one. That's like one of my. That's the one I got a bunch of texts on. Well, especially from uh, just some friends who um, I grew up religious with. So it was, it was, uh, it was nice to get feedback from them um, to know that you know that that it helped them out. That's because the conversation totally helped me out. Like I had a blast. Yeah. And I really walked away with, with a lot from that conversation. I'm glad other people could get something out of it too.
0: Yeah. I talked way too much during that episode. I I listened to it and I'm like, it was really good. And I wish I, I could have just shut up more, but, um, when i think the conversations we had especially the conversations you had with rob were were really meaningful and i i got a few texts from from people and they were like wow like i i knew that you guys had a bit of a religious background and had different religious beliefs but it was really good to hear you dive into it without any dogma Mm. but being willing to discuss spirituality and religion especially with someone like rob who has changed quite a bit in fact i read a book recently ryan um do you know who Kent Dobson is? Mm-mm. So, speaking of Rob Bell, so Kent Dobson's father, his uh, he's a guy named Ed Dobson. He was um, sort of Rob Bell's mentor. Oh, okay. So Ed was Rob's mentor, and then his son Kent actually took over Mars Hill after Rob left, mm. and he he soon left shortly after that, and he wrote a book about about. Um, his journey with spirituality, and it was like you wrote the book. Honestly, mm-hmm. it was it reminded me of your journey with religion and spirituality. Mm-hmm. It's called Bitten by a Camel, and it's a really short read. I would encourage you to read it. I read it in a day, and um he should be saving this for the value-added portion no i've got some really good stuff i want to talk about for value <laughs> added in fact you and i were talking on the phone yesterday and i'm like oh i gotta shut up because there's some stuff i want to talk to you about on the podcast i know dude some that stuff so that i want to recommend To, to i usually
2: don't recommend so, stuff so just so our audience uh members know josh and i we will avoid having conversations away from the mics so we can have genuine
0: conversations for you all who are listening to this yeah because we don't want to like j- just rehash everything no. so sometimes I'll <laughs> we'll say hey let's save that for the podcast <clears throat> but um th- this book bitten by a camel right it was like his journey into like you know uh, conservative Christianity and then like more walking toward the edges and then walking beyond the edges mm-hmm. and Really changing the vernacular he used. I, he wouldn't even, I don't, he wouldn't call himself a Christian anymore, but he would. He he talks about religion he talks about God and he even talks about how the word God has become so like weighed down in a way and it it really reminded me of your journey with religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of parallels. I was reading, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is something that Ryan would would really identify with as much as you identified with Rob when he was seated right here. Mm-hmm. You would identify even more. In fact, uh, if he's if Kent is back in Los Angeles at any point, I'd love to sit down and talk to him too. I think you'd find a a ton of value in in that conversation. Cool. You have to text me a link or something. Yeah, I will. Uh, the The book is called. Or Big By check a the show notes. And and he did a <laughs> recent podcast episode with uh, with Pete Holmes. Cool. So Pete Holmes, who was in that Heretic documentary mm-hmm. that we talked to Rob about, uh, he he's the comedian who's on Crashing. He was on his podcast, and it was it was a solid conversation. So you can yeah. check that out as well. And so, yeah, we're, we're we're done touring for a while and we're getting back into some certain habits to uh, today and, and this week and this month and this year. And I don't know about you. I was talking to podcast Sean before this started. And for me, it's just been about like, it's really hard for me to write on the road. I do mm-hmm. it intermittently, but um, <laughs> it's hard for me to write it. In- period <laughs> and then you throw another factor in there and then it's like really hard
2: for me to write well uh, actually what i should say is it's really easy for me to not write
0: <laughs> well it's actually hard for me to not write uh, that's fascinating like it's hard on you yeah well no it's ho- it, it's hard on me too that's true but like i feel compelled or propelled by the act of of creating in a way that it's like it fuels me it's like it's hard for me to not put gas in the car mm. because I also realize like that's what propels the car forward, right? right. Uh, anyway, let's let's dive into some, some questions we have here because I want to talk to you, Ryan, about some of the habits that I'm trying to uh, – the, the reclamation of my habits and the reclamation of a, uh, a, of a lifestyle or, or maybe even just a, a new life now that we're here in Los Angeles. I was talking to our accountant yesterday and uh work you know it's it's tax season in fact this comes out on on the official tax day i believe and um uh i was like man i don't think i've spent more than like a week and a half at a at a time in los angeles no since we quote moved here I know, people are like
2: how's la i'm like i don't know <laughs> like i mean it's i feel like i'm on vacation in la right it's a great now.
0: place to visit repeatedly right um but now now that we're back here it's like I'm I'm falling in love with with the city and um we're actually going to have an opportunity to do that this weekend too. We're doing a, a coffee crawl and some other really cool stuff that I think maybe you and I can can talk about. But let's go ahead and dive into these questions. Our first question is from Jason in Sacramento. In light of you guys journey out of the corporate world and into uh the minimal the minimalist project and also in light of uh, the break you're taking right now and Joshua's situation, I'd be curious to hear you guys' feedback on the role that you think minimalism and intentional living can play in
3: healing, uh, various types of healing, whether that be physical healing or psychological and emotional healing or some other
0: type of healing. Because I feel like, for me, minimalism has played a role and
3: uh, healing of various types.
2: I never really thought about minimalism healing mm. until this question. Yeah, and, it's, it, and like even looking at it from that perspective, I really had to kind of dig deep to think about like how does minimalism heal someone? Right. Like I don't because when I think of my journey, I don't. I mean, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, but like when I think about when you introduced minimalism to me, when I started applying this to my life. I didn't really feel like I was being healed as much as I was being redirected. Right.
0: If that makes sense. I, I don't know. What do you well, think? Well, I mean, I think at our events, when you go around, and place your hands on people and heal them of their ailments, <laughs> like that's what I think of. It's, that's how minimalism heals people. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Pun intended. Just like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, do, I mean, seriously, do you feel like like when you heard this question where you like oh yeah like i can totally talk about how minimalism has healed i do but
0: but but in a way that's different how minimalism has provided time for healing mm. so it's the, the the providing of the time and the question is then uh, time for what right yeah. maybe it's time for healing maybe it's time for relationships um and, and maybe it's time for creativity it's time to to um consume less so I, I I can do something else with that time and and for me part of that is is the healing you'll remember back in well we can actually just talk about my last decade real quick I, I can I can sum it up so uh, I'll be 37 really soon so over the last decade I've had a lot of uh, health issues it sort of started when I was 27 uh, and I had plenty of health issues before then, but my body was just you know, tolerating my abuse for a very long time. There's this Matt Nathanson line, the uh, singer-songwriter Matt Nathanson. Yeah. He has a, the song on his second-to-most recent album. The album is called The Last of the Great Pretenders. But uh, the, the, the first song on there, uh, the very first line of the first song on that album is, I'd kill anyone who treats you as bad as I do and it's like it's about like being a crappy husband or boyfriend mm. or whatever but it's also true about myself i was thinking about this this morning like there's th- there were times where i treated myself so bad my body so poorly that i don't want to even be a friend of the person who treats me as bad as i do well dude let's talk about that what, what, what cuz
2: when i think about how you used to be 10 years ago versus now i mean i guess you were eating you were eating like shit, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Drinking, drinking almost, a million cups of coffee a day.
0: Literally 20 cups of coffee a day.
2: Operating on probably not as much sleep as what you're operating on now. Four
0: hours of sleep a night, most nights. Yeah. Um, and i require less sleep than most people i think like i probably got three hours last night but that was uh that was because it was so windy here like it was it was crazy, crazy yeah i don't know what was up with that but anyway um i it, the, the the problem is and by the way most nights i don't recommend three hours of, of sleep even for myself i probably get six or seven hours most nights um Eight if I can, if my body allows me to sleep. You and I are in the same boat. We can get to sleep like that, mm-hmm. but staying asleep is the. I went to bed at 9:30 p.m. last night. Uh huh. I got up at 5 a.m. and like
2: there was no, there. Yeah, my body would not let me go back to sleep. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, all right, well, let's get up and start the day
0: you you and i are in the same space there and then our partners are in the same space as well like they have h- such a hard time getting to sleep so mariah has told me <clears> that <throat> you sh- when she's with you like ryan i'll just fall right asleep right. and I, I i it takes me forever but then they can sleep in and i'm like oh, i wish i could sleep yeah. in
2: um especially like, like this morning when i got up at 5 a.m i totally woke mariah up mm. and she was like oh what time is it i'm like it's five I'm getting up, and she was like, "Oh, okay," and then like went right back to sleep. Yeah, yeah. So Bex jealous. will do that too. So jealous.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, so I I grew up uh, with a really unhealthy diet, and and I was morbidly obese. I mm-hmm. mean, literally morbidly obese. You know this because you were you were certainly obese as a kid. I, I think I was the morbid half of the duo. <laughs> right. It, right. If there was one obese person and one who was morbidly obese, yeah, you were definitely fatter. That's I was so so fat. And um, and and that carried those habits. Even I lost the weight in high school, but mm-hmm. then I gained it all back in my early twenties. Mm-hmm. I wasn't as fat as I was when I was twelve, although I weighed the same. I weighed about two forty. <laughs> well, you got in, taller in my twenties. You got taller. Yeah, that's true. So it stretched you out a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. But I, I even weighing two. I mean, I'm one sixty five now, probably, but I weighed two forty, and. I wasn't just fat. I felt like crap. And, and there there became the spiral out of that. I developed uh, chemical sensitivities. And I think that's because I screwed my gut up in my 20s. I, I took uh, um, a supposedly benign antibiotic for a very long time. It was, I have this really bad scalp acne. And so I took this... This antibiotic is supposed to be fine, but it killed my gut microbiome, gave me C. diff, which kills 14,000 people a year. Mm-hmm. And from that spiraled a whole bunch of other problems. I My hormones were out of whack, so I was getting a lot of back pain because I wasn't producing enough growth hormone. Mm-hmm. And my other hormones were out of whack as well. And so the back pain, the gut pain, the... Uh, chemical sensitivities, the seasonal allergies that were just debilitating. Like, like they got to a point with the seasonal allergies where I would have to like just lay in bed. I couldn't do anything. It was yeah. that bad. Yeah, I remember man. And and so I, I developed all of these ailments that that continued and even got worse into my thirties, even though I was living a better lifestyle. And I hadn't I, I had done so much damage, and so yeah, I'd kill anyone who treats me as bad as my previous self treats me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be friends with that guy. Right. I treated myself so poorly. Part of that is because I just didn't know. I didn't know that gluten and dairy were terrible for me personally. They're not bad for everyone. No. Um, my partner Rebecca eats cheese sandwiches, and she's the fittest person I know.
2: <laughs> you. Know, oh, I was just sorry to interrupt you. I was just going to say, no, dude. I <laughs> you gave that analogy of. I don't want to be friends with that person, and I'd never even thought of, the, of it that way, dude. I would totally be friends with myself. <laughs> that would be that would be awesome. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, but yeah, I would not want to be
0: friends with my 25 year old self. Right? Yeah. So you'd be <laughs> friends with your current self. Right? Yeah. I I I could definitely be friends with my current self because my current self would leave me alone because <laughs> he wouldn't want to spend time with anyone else. Yeah. Um, but but. There has been a lot of room for healing the last decade, mm. especially the last five years and especially the last two and a half years for me. Yeah. Um, we had to take a break from podcasting a couple cool. years ago, yeah. October 2016, and um, we, we took a, a month or two break because... We got to a point where I I thought like oh man maybe I'm dying I can't figure out what my problems are this was, as I was going through all the testing and figuring out what was wrong with my gut figuring out what was wrong with uh, all of my health and and so being able to take the time and the thing that I'll say to Jason is if minimalism has helped me with with anything is it's helped me realize that that I can let go of, of anything, I- including commitments, routines, it's the best feeling in the world, man. Yeah. Being able to let go of my habits, being able to let go of businesses or business ideas or creative ideas or, or being able to let go of travel, um, uh, being able to even let go of my identity because mm. we get so wrapped up in that, that, um, you know, people ask you what you do now. I mean, for me, I still say oh, hey, I'm really passionate about writing. Mm-hmm. The only time that I give a really concise answer to that is when we're going through immigration or something, and they're like, "What do you do?" I'm like, "Okay, I'm a writer." Like, if this is you need a, a specific you answer, you need a job title. Yeah, you need a job title. Well, it for says you. on the customs form like right. job title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they're not
2: uh, asking so you can you know so they can compare themselves to you on the socioeconomic ladder. No, they're asking uh, because yeah. Well,
0: it's, yeah, because 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 of government overreach. But yes, um, and
2: they love to they love to steal our rights. Anyway, keep
0: going. <laughs> at the, at the airport, it's the only proper place to to steal all our rights. That's right. Um, <laughs> well, we actually we'll talk about not them. all of them, but we'll, a lot of them. We'll talk about stealing your rights during the added value segment. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think that that the letting go for me has allowed me to welcome room for the new. Or welcome the the new life. So letting go of the this past year, I can look back and say it's been great. The past twelve months, we've been on 104 flights, the last twelve months. Jesus. <laughs> and and I don't want to fly anymore. And I I've flown 104 times. Yeah, 104 flights. Yes. Oh my god. Man. Um, and, and so I look back at that and I'm like, oh, like that's great, but man. Can- for minimalists, you guys sure don't
2: fly enough or whatever you know i'm sorry (laughs) insert insert uh you know
0: uh uh ironic
2: yes joke there yeah well (laughs) sean will take care of it sean
0: well, the, 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 the the irony is real with uh, respect to even today like yeah. last night I could not sleep and I'm like I'm trying to spend this time to recover and we're doing an episode about resetting and recovering and <laughs> and I can't sleep tonight um, and so I get up this morning at like 3am and I but I, I make the best use of that time I started doing some physical therapy and stuff like that but I realized I can let go of whatever that, that past was so I can focus on the new and the new now for me mm-hmm. is getting back to these basics the writing the podcasting and 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 the film and and being able to let go of like okay that was a great chapter and that chapter's over and I can mm-hmm. celebrate it and I think it's actually important during this time of recovery so Jason was asking about healing and whether that's physical healing but also the the emotional healing I think it's important to pause and celebrate and not just say, all right, on to the next thing. And that's what I've been doing. I've been appreciating this, this last year, mm. um, or especially over the course of the last week and being thankful for it. Because inevitably, by the end of the tour, Ryan, we're on City 48, and I'm like, all right, I feel like I'm finally ready to, to go on tour. Like, everything's firing at <laughs> all cylinders now. I'll,
2: dude, this Australia tour, it was the first time I felt confident in, like, the talk and in... Uh, doing the live podcast. I mean truly when I say truly confident I mean like I mean I still got a little jittery still, still a little nervous. Yeah. But I wasn't like second guessing every single thing I was saying. Right. If, but but to your point it took me
0: 8 years to get there. Right. <laughs> right. And and now you can look back and say okay that chapter is is over and we've had all these like sort of mini chapters different tours a book comes out or the film comes out those are all different chapters. Mm. And I can I can celebrate that and I can be thankful for it, but I can also walk away and say, I'm not tethered to that. I'm not tethered to being a writer. I'm not tethered to being a minimalist, uh, one of the minimalists. Like It's something that serves me well right now, but also the ability to let go of any of that serves me even better. Yeah, absolutely. Man, when I think about
2: the... Uh, I, it's, it's funny, yeah, giving time to heal. Um, when I think about the ways I have been able to... Just feel different. I, I I guess going with the the word healing here, the the places in my life where I feel like I've been healed. Um, I think first and foremost is my confidence. Man, like I really didn't even think about that until until Jason brought up this question. Mm. And I like to think, well, yeah, it's because of minimalism that helped me to detach from things. It's helped me to not care about impressing people who I don't really like anyway, who, who, well, I shouldn't say that I don't like, but people who would judge me off of my physical appearance or the people items you I have. don't even know most righted, of the time, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like I wouldn't want to have someone like that in my life anyway. Like I wouldn't like to hang around people like that. So, right. yeah, so I mean, so with my confidence, I feel like I have, I'm just, I don't know, I've never felt so confident, man. And it's not like, you know, I think that... Um, I can like take over the world or anything as much as it is like, I'm just confident with how I'm living my life. Uh, like my short-term actions truly align with my long-term values and beliefs. And like, that is what makes me feel very, very confident. I don't think I would have got there if it wasn't for this thing called minimalism. Um, I think the other thing too is, uh, we were talking about this yesterday, Josh and I were doing a, an interview for a for a friend. Um, they're 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 filming this documentary. I really won't say anything about it because there's no official launch date or anything. But we were talking. I was talking about uh, scarcity and how I, at 25 years old, 26 years old, felt like, man, I just want to be a millionaire. I'm just gonna like I'm gonna save up enough money. I'm gonna be a millionaire. And then I'm gonna retire early, and then I can live off of you know, let's say it's a million dollars or three million dollars. But yeah. like I never really knew what I would do with that money. It just, you know, a million, three million, it sounded like a lot of money. (laughs) And I felt like that's, you know, those are the numbers or, you know, as long as it has seven figures in it, like that is what is going to make it so I'm not going to
0: have i'm not gonna face scarcity for the That's rest like of my enough life to you at the time right so the problem is enough always changes once you get what right. you previously perceived as enough then you're gonna want more yeah enough is never enough when we have the wrong mindset so now when, when i th- pithy sean yeah it is so now when i think
2: about you know retirement if i had a million dollars that'd be way more than enough like because now i know like i know my budget i know what it takes to to uh to provide for myself i i know that uh, scarcity is is much further than than what I initially anticipated. Right. And uh, that to me is I mean, it's just it's the best feeling in the world, man. Like right now, if the rug was swept out from underneath of us and, you know, uh, whatever, Internet blew up and our our book spontaneously combusted and like we had to go get regular jobs um, I would have to move apartments because we live live in Los Angeles. But I could totally, I could totally, uh, you know, move back to Missoula and be a barista and live off of you know a barista salary mm-hmm. because that is how I've set up my life. And like knowing that, like I'll always be able to find a way to make it work. Like that is, I don't know. It's just it's it's a very empowering feeling, and and, and I think scarcity is what is what really drives people to, especially people with families. Cause like, cause you know, if, if I'm providing not just for me, but Mariah, and then let's say we have two kids, like, I really want to make sure, especially if they're relying on me, I want to make sure they're provided for. Right. So, uh, that, that feeling of scarcity is going to, it's just going to make me do things that I normally wouldn't do. Like, if you really want to see how far someone would go, like, you know, look at a single mother who Who's jobless and needs to feed her kid like that mother's gonna do some crazy things to make sure their that their kid is fed, and I'm just bringing this you know to a to an extreme point to show how scarcity makes people act in certain ways. The problem was is that I had enough, mm-hmm. but still felt like I didn't have enough.
0: Yeah, it's that, that perceived scarcity as opposed to legitimate Actual, or, right. or just real scarcity, right? And, and I think that's, that's quite often the problem with our culture is we, we feel like we need to accumulate more and more. And advertising does a good job of making us feel like things are scarce and urgent as well. And I think when we realize that what I have is enough and, and it's more about what my actions are as opposed to the things that I accumulate, mm-hmm. um, that's far more impressive to me as, uh, as an individual than like, well, I'm going to get this next new shiny thing. It's more about what can I do with the time that I have here on Earth and that's an abundance mindset there mm-hmm. because I, it's like I've got time to create something meaningful. Mm. I don't want to use that time to just consume endlessly. Yeah, Jason, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, uh, Everything That Remains. That is, it's a memoir about the five years of, it's really the process of of me letting go and Ryan letting go of the excess in our life and really discovering the, the art of having enough. So Sean, if you could reach out to Jason, Send him the audiobook version of that. If you like our podcast, you'll probably like the audiobook version, or if you just want the book or the ebook version, we could send those to you as well. Our next question is from Kira in Davis, California.
4: I am an extreme introvert like Joshua. I am an INFJ on the Myers Briggs, and so I really need my alone time. However, I am in college and I share a room and live in a house with a total of four girls, and it's not financially feasible for me to live on my own, although that's what I would really like to do. So my question is that given those limited circumstances and the fact that I have a very packed schedule, how would you suggest getting the alone time that I need? And then just some background information for you guys. So obviously, I would really like to live on my own, but I can't afford that, and I don't think it's smart to go into debt for that, and also, I am a double major, so I have a pretty packed schedule. I'm pre-med, and I'm also a dancer, and so usually, I don't have just, like, blocks of time that I could just, like, carve out and go somewhere. And I really do love my schedule. Like, I love everything that I'm doing. So I'm not really willing to give those things up. And I feel fine and filled up when I have my own time. But when I don't, it's really hard.
2: So Josh, Kira has filled her entire schedule up. Mm -hmm. She's allocated every minute of her time Mm -hmm. to double majors, to other hobbies, to other things. She lives with four roommates. Mm -hmm. So how does she get more time? When she's filled up all of her time.
0: Well, I'd just buy more watches. <laughs> <A> Rolex. <laughs> yeah, Rolex will buy you more time. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the, the lesson here is the more expensive right. the watch, the better. On to the lightning round. <laughs> so, uh, Kira, you are an INFJ. Um, most of the people I've ever dated are INFJs. So, I I, I know your personality type. I'm, I'm an INTJ, um, really high on the T, and I've, I've dated some high Fs out there, and... I, I can only imagine, so so, if you, for those of you who don't know what Myers-Briggs is, uh, you can go and check it out. There's, actually, there's an essay on our website. We'll put a link to it in the show notes, Sean. Uh, it's called Alone Time, and there's a link to it if you want to take a Myers-Briggs test online for free. We It's not our test, obviously, but uh, you can check it out. Anyway, uh, learning about your personality helps you learn how to better interact with other people, I've learned. It's one of the, yeah, it's one of the best things that one can do for themselves, is figuring out, like,
2: what makes them tick. I mean, people know what makes them tick, but it like it puts it in a in a nice little, hey, here's why you are this way and why you lean towards certain, you know, certain feelings rather than judgments, yada, yada, yada. But more importantly, yes, like it totally helps you understand yourself, which um, when you understand yourself, well, then you can understand others as well.
0: Yeah, you can understand how how your personality intertwines with other personalities better. Like you and I have a pedagogical relationship and it helps us be more understanding of what the other person's needs are, right? And so right now you understand what your needs are, Kira, but the question is, do you understand what the other folks' needs are? Or even better yet, do you understand how to communicate your needs? And that's, I think, why you're, why you're calling in here. So, so a few things that I would do if I were in your situation. I can't tell you whether or not this will work for you, but I know what I would do uh, where, where I given your situation. First off, uh, I know you say you're doing a lot of things that fulfill you right now, that make you feel good, but it sounds like you're doing too many of those things. And I can speak from experience because last year I did too many of those things that I said yes for the first time in my life became first time in, in my life in seven years that since the corporate world, I became busy for the first time because I said yes to these individual opportunities that all made sense individually. but saying yes, 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 yes means eventually I started saying no to the things that were truly important. And so maybe you have to say no to a few of those things that would otherwise be yeses, so you can say, Well, so you can say yes to yourself, right? Say yes to the alone time. Uh, A few things that I would do, though, in your situation, since you have a house full of roommates, I would treat my house, my home as a place to sleep. I probably wouldn't be spending a lot of time there, though, if I have a bunch of roommates. If I need alone time, home is not the place to go for that alone time. Uh, because unless you can you know, lock yourself in your room, but even then, you're going to feel the anxiety and the, the pressure to interact with other people while you're home. But if you're coming home when it's time to sleep and you head straight to bed, and then when you get up in the morning, you shower and and you leave, the house just becomes a place for you to to sleep and get ready, and that's that's about it. You can find alone time and and. Uh, what you might call third spaces. So you've got school and you've got home. Those are the the first the, your two primary spaces. But what are the places in which you can find alone time? Maybe that's um, uh, maybe that's at a library. Maybe it's a yoga studio. Maybe it's at a, at a coffee shop. Maybe it's at a park. Maybe it's a, uh, taking a hike or a walk. There are plenty of places you can go and and be alone. Also being alone doesn't mean you have to be completely solo I like being around what I would call ambient people Uh, I like working out of coffee shops sometimes um, or or out of co-working spaces because I don't necessarily have to interact with other people, but there's a potential for interaction and it makes me feel like I'm not cooped up in a room somewhere, which can be nice, especially if I'm just writing first thing in the morning, I do want to be alone with no distractions, but if I'm just working ambient people, it's great. It actually fuels me a little bit to have the potential for interaction, Mm -hmm. knowing I don't have the requirement for interaction. Mm -hmm. So having spaces with ambient people is, uh, uh, um, a counterintuitive way for you to have alone time. And then last thing I'll, I'll talk about is uh, you want to schedule some you time first, because what's happening right now is you've already filled your, your calendar. I mean, Ryan, if I were sure if I looked at her calendar right now, she's got so much going on with the double <laughs> major and the dance and, 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 and all these like extracurricular activities. It's already full and she's like where's the time for me pre-med already sounds overwhelming i couldn't yes. imagine
2: throwing another major on top of it yeah i mean it's it, it is something that um c- certainly is admirable you know i mean that's when i think about to, to our corporate days it was like this badge of honor i worked 80 hours this week mm. and it's like it is admirable to a certain extent when he's also sad yeah when you could see someone with such a such a wide bandwidth it's it's uh I don't maybe not admirable as much as like I look at your bandwidth and I'm like God I wish I had Josh's bandwidth yeah. but I would never put myself in jeopardy my 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 sanity in jeopardy um to try and take on as much as you take on
0: well yeah it's and it's uh it's a bit of an illusion too because then I can look at someone like Joe Rogan and be like how does he do comedy four nights a week in front of live audiences and go out on tour and do four three hour podcasts a week Mm -hmm. and write daily and take care of a family. And it's like, oh, there are other people where it's like they have a different bandwidth from me. And Mm -hmm. so what's appropriate for me may not be appropriate for Kira or you. And I think she needs to identify like, look, hey, I need to I need some alone time. She's already identified that. Now you need to figure out where it fits first Mm. before you schedule the classes, before you schedule the extracurricular activities, before you schedule the dinner with friends. And then you need to prioritize the other things, but prioritize you first because getting that alone time that you need is gonna make you the best version of yourself when you spend that time around other people.
2: Yeah, Kira, your plate is full. And you love how full your plate is. You love everything on your plate. But Kira, you don't love everything on your plate. You just got done telling us why you don't love everything on your plate. And I don't really know, Josh, how to nicely say, Kira, you got to take something off your plate. Uh, you're, you're, you're blaming your schedule for not having enough alone time. And you're right. It is your schedule. Um, I would love to sit here and have like a magical piece of advice. I would be like, oh, yeah, here's how you can get an extra hour during the day. Uh, Or here's how you can get an extra half hour. But the truth is, is there's not a simple answer. No, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. Yeah. What's what's crazy, maybe it's not crazy, um, but in her question, she is identifying the problem. And she's saying, I know the problem. Here's my question. How do I... Yeah,
0: here's the problem. Here's my question. What's the problem? (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. So so here's the weird thing. Like the, the solution is actually in the question. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Kira, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, Essential. It is uh, There's 12 chapters on intentional living. Mm-hmm. And one of those chapters I think you'll find the most benefit in is, is chapter five. It's a chapter on, on mindfulness or, or mindful living. And here's a few of the essays that are, there's 150 essays in this book total, but a few of the essays that are in that mindfulness chapter. Uh, there's one called The Worst Thing That Could Happen. And that is such an important question. Like, what's, we always ask, like, ah, what's the worst that can happen? But also ask, asking, what is the best that can happen uh, is, is a question that might change your life. Um, we, we talk about decluttering your uh, mental clutter. Uh, we, we talk about fighting the voice in your head. We talk about meditating. Uh, there's a discussion with Sam Harris in there about mindfulness. Uh, there's Five Ways to Create Solitude. There's an essay called A Quiet Place. And that essay I mentioned, Alone Time, is also in there. And there's a, a few other essays that are in there. Uh, uh, one's about overcoming self-doubt and and uh, just a few, few essays about living more mindfully. And I think Kira, you will find value in that book. Sean, if you could reach out to her and and give her the audiobook version of that. It's our longest book, so I think it's like six hours of, of audio.
2: There's one essay, though, that's not in there that she really needs to read. What is that? Uh, an Apology and the Need to Say No. Mm. And it was uh, basically what we were talking about earlier, about how Um, We took on too much last year yeah, and uh, especially you took on too much, uh,
0: meaning that we have different bandwidths that way. Yeah, I'm I'm not as durable (laughs) as you, right? And I, I look at you and I'm like, oh man, I wish... I, I wish that I was an ox, <laughs> but I used to take that as like an insult. No, it's, it's a compliment. But, it's but, the, the strongest farm animal there is. Josh Wagner, uh,
2: the, the you know, Wagner for those, you don't know, he's one of the, the, the mentors on my mentoring web, uh, web page. He was like, he called me, he's like, I was doing like a headstand on a paddleboard or something. Yeah. And this was like 20 pounds heavier. Cause I've lost like 20 pounds, dude, since, yeah. since the whole pre diabetes diagnosis, and uh i could easily do a headstand on a paddleboard and he's like you're like an ox man (laughs) and i knew what he meant but like because i'm just insecure with my the way i look in my body i uh i took it as an insult but now i take it as a compliment yeah because i know what you're saying and i've lost a little bit of weight so i've got (laughs) i've got a little bit more confidence there but no the uh this this essay definitely put it in the show notes sean and kira for you definitely read this because josh is also an introvert And everything that we said yes to last year, it was amazing stuff. And we're really, really happy we were able to do it but it left Josh feeling exhausted. And uh, this is an essay about that. So you're gonna enjoy it and hopefully it helps you with your situation.
0: I'm grateful for the past. I'm grateful for what's about to come. And this time that we have right now, I feel really grateful for it. it It is a time for healing. It's a time for me. It's a time for me so I can be the best version of myself for other people. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later in the episode, but first, we'd love to hear what you all have to say. So if you have a comment or a tip about resetting or recovering or healing, Including advice for any of our callers today, then leave us a voicemail at four zero six two one nine seven eight three nine. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at the will where our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. Ryan, what time is it? I don't know. Let me look at this fancy Rolex I have on. (laughs) Oh, it looks like it's time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. We do indeed. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Minimalists. During the lightning rounds, where Ryan and I both do our best to each answer every question with just a a short, shareable less than 140 character response. We also put the text to these Minimal Maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our quotes all in one place over at MinimalMaxims.com I want to be very clear. I do not own a Rolex. And the only watch I own is a it's a
2: dive computer that I only wear when we go diving.
0: A computer?
2: Yeah. it's. I kept calling it a dive watch and mm-hmm. like Di- like uh, the, the diver I'm just imagining like, oh dude it's ugh. basically that it's just smaller than that i got my
0: laptop on my wrist I kept right calling
2: now. it a dive watch and they're like it's much smarter than a watch and it's smarter than a smartwatch." Ah, so <laughs> you did buy more time
0: I <laughs>
2: more diving time alright 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 come on back to the show Josh alright our first question is from Joshua Hook Joshua writes how can we work to prioritize tasks that are important but not urgent?
0: All right, so this is an important question because I I think of, uh, here's the best example I have for you, Ryan, Mm -hmm. is email is the epitome of urgent but generally not important. It's urgent for everyone else. It's everyone else dictating what our priorities are but it's tr- not as important as the other things in our lives. How often do you check email? Once a day. Not, once a day. not even every day. I'm down Ma- maybe like, five times a week. Especially during
2: tour, I'm down to like once every four or five days. Yeah. There are sometimes I've been like a week without it. The only time I respond, because I'll see the subject and who it's from. And if it's like, you know, our, uh, if it's Andrew, our, you know, agent yeah. who needs a response, then like. I'll look at it, but even if I don't look at that, he'll send me a text or he'll send you a text. Hey, I sent you an email. Can you look at it? So it's like people who really need to get a hold of me if it's urgent.
0: Yeah, they've got another way to get a hold of me. Right, and 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 I think that's the thing. So so my pithy answer, and we'll we'll talk about it a little bit here. What's urgent usually isn't what's important. Mm. So that, that's my my tweetable answer there. And Ex- yeah, Expound on that a little bit. Like, give well, the, me give me an example. Well, so the question that I often ask myself is. Um, is this important or is it just urgent? And, and I think, uh, the other way to put that is most emergencies aren't, we think of things as emergencies, fires, we have to put out, think about when we worked in the corporate world, everything was like urgent, 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 but so few of those things were actually important. Right. Um, what's important to me now I have sort of systematized into my habits. So I'll give you an example of, of a day. In fact, I'll, I'll pull up my calendar right now. Um, and we'll just go over the last day or two today and tomorrow or yesterday. So here's, here's yesterday. So mornings for me, I don't even have anything on the calendar. I generally don't like to schedule anything before noon. If I can get away with it, I don't schedule anything before 2 PM Mm. on my calendar. Now, the reason being is I want to focus on my most important habits. And so I make my important habits urgent. I want them to be both important and urgent. Mm. That's how you truly prioritize something. Oh, I like it. And So for me, my habits revolve around my values. In our first book, in fact, uh, Sean, if you could reach out to Joshua Hook and send him a copy of Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life, we talk about the five values in there, health, relationships, creativity, or passion, and then growth and contribution. And my mornings, I prioritize at least two of those values. For me, it's creativity and it's health. Mm. So I do something, some sort of exercise or physical therapy every morning. So I got up at 3 this morning. And the first thing I did, I started making coffee. And before the coffee was even made, I'm on the yoga mat doing physical therapy at 3 a.m. Wow. Uh, The other thing I'll usually do, and the reason I started with that today is my back was hurting a little bit this morning. And uh, once I did that for about an hour, I started writing. I've been working on a handful of of essays. In fact, if you aren't on our email list, you might want want to be because um, there's a lot of essays. Uh, There are quite a few essays I've been working on since December, and they're like all starting to come to a head now. In fact, Sean and I were working on one the other day, and I'm like, oh, Sean, this is this is actually three different essays. I I couldn't figure it out why it wasn't working. Well, it needed to be three much Mm. shorter essays, like these, these bite-sized chunks. So we've got quite a few new writings coming, um, on theminimalists.com, but I, I'll start writing. I I feel compelled to, to write in the morning because it gets the, it's the time I feel most alive is when I'm exercising or I'm writing, but it also sets my day up for success. I've already feel like I've I've accomplished something through writing for a couple hours, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've exor- exercised for an hour. Then it's like, oh, like everything else on top of this is gravy now. I've I've gotten rid of the the important things that aren't even on my calendar. I don't even have to put these on my calendar. The first things I, I work on, I when I when I get up in the morning, and and that's important to me. Now you might have to put those on your calendar right away so that you can eventually turn them into a habit. But for me, I work on not scheduling anything. The only exception is when we're recording these podcasts, we tend to record them in the mornings. Um, But on days that we're not recording podcasts, I try not to schedule anything until afternoon. So if I look at my calendar right now, Ryan, Mm -hmm. um, yesterday, for example, um, I had 10 a.m. clean the house. Um, So that was after writing and exercising yesterday morning. And uh, at 1130, I had lunch with a friend, at uh, 1.30, you and I had uh, a media interview that we had to do. At uh, 4 o'clock, I had a, a phone call about our taxes. At 5 o'clock, I had to prepare for this episode, episode 128, and that was it. That's what I had scheduled for the day. So mm-hmm. those are the things that were most important that I had to make urgent for the day. And then uh, you know today I have you know something similar. Today I've got we're recording this podcast. You and I are doing uh, our friend Joshua Weaver, who owns a coffee shop with us. He's in town. He's going to mm-hmm. do some photos with us. Uh, I got some taxes stuff that I need to do at two o'clock, and then we have dinner, uh, business meeting at five o'clock, and oh, and at, at here's here's something I have uh, at two p.m. I just have scheduled there taxes and email. Like I know I, there, I have a bunch of emails I haven't responded to, I need to, to get to, mm. right? And so for me, here's the order. I have my habits in the morning, I have my calendar that runs the day, and then when there's free space, I have a to-do list. Now, I, this might help you out, Ryan, I, I don't know. I helped Jessica out a lot. When we were over in Australia, Jessica, who uh, does our social media, she was asking me about sort of my workflow. Like how do I keep things organized? And for me, I just use a uh, Apple Notes, and I have two different notes. I have a one note I'm looking at right now. It says today. Right. Mm. And then I have another note that says someday. Right. And on my two day list, I list everything that I need to do today. These are tasks. Whenever I get a free moment, these are things that I should be working on. And so like it says prep for episode 128, I could cross it off. Cause we already did that. Uh, I need to respond to rich Roll. He texted me last night. I need to respond to our friend drew. He texted me last night. Um, and I, I need to update a few of these these things on our website. So like there, there's a few things I need to do today. And then right below that, it says tomorrow. And there are a few things I need to do. I need to buy some paper towels and dish soap and bleach. Um, <laughs> I need to or- And body bags and rubber gloves. <laughs> and shovels. <laughs> um, and uh, I need to order some coffee filters. Like That's on my list for tomorrow. So if you look at this, it says today, tomorrow, and then it says this week. And as I accomplish things they work their way up toward today. So the things that are on my list for tomorrow will be on today's list tomorrow, right? (laughs) And the things that are on this week's list will eventually move their way up. And then I have this separate someday list where it's like, I really need to work on this business idea or I need to... Uh, you know, whatever. I, I want to buy concert tickets for this thing, but I don't want to deal with that this week. Mm-hmm. And so I have this someday list that of things that I know, here's another way to look at it, not urgent list. Mm. My someday list is like, ah, these aren't urgent. My today list is, man, these are things that are urgent. So I sort of have an urgent list by default, the today list, and it's really a this week list. And then the someday list, not urgent, but there are things I know I want to do. Here's the cool thing about both of these lists. Whenever I look at them, I, after I'm done writing or exercising in the morning, I look at these lists. And quite often, I'm able to cross a few things off immediately. Like uh, sometimes, just because the thing happened without me planning it. Mm. Uh, so I have uh, called Jerome, my brother. He called me last night. And so, like, this is on my list to do this week. I can delete it right now because I've already talked to him, and that's done, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's off the list. Um, Uh, There are other things where it's like, oh, yeah, that was kind of important, but the time has passed. I didn't have time for it. And so now it's not urgent anymore. I can Mm -hmm. let that go. Yeah. So I prioritize urgent and not urgent. And that's what helps me out a lot. Ryan, what about you?
2: Yeah. uh, I think the calendar thing, it it leads directly into what I was going to say. So my tweetable answer is this. When it comes to prioritizing, calendar is king. Procrastination is the enemy. So here's the thing is we all procrastinate a little bit like your uh, tomorrow's list of things. that's uh, going to, you know, uh, move their way up to eventually today. Right. Um, that, that is a form of. I think it's a form of procrastination. Am I wrong on that? Yeah, you are, but that's okay. I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, so, okay, so uh, help help me and the uh, the listeners here differentiate how is that different from procrastination. So
0: procrastination means putting it off because I, I don't want to deal with it. It's the, the fear thing you were talking about earlier, the scarcity thing, right? It's fear of doing it. So procrastinating would mean putting off the important thing to actually deal with something that's less urgent. Mm. So procrastinating would, would, would be... Uh, uh, browsing Facebook instead of writing, mm-hmm. it would be ah. Uh, let me open up Twitter before I do that. Let me scroll through Instagram putting, instead of reading this book. That makes
2: so procrastination. We can we can agree that it's putting something ahead of putting something ahead of another thing that is more important. That exactly, you're, that you're scared to deal, deal exactly. With. So so uh, so that does stand true then. Calendar is king and procrastination is the enemy. Absolutely. So w- what I would say for me, um, yeah, if it's not on my calendar, it's probably not going to get done. Um, if I leave and I, and I just and I still I'm guilty of doing this, but I will do it less and less. Like I'll leave um, some articles in my inbox. Someone will be like, Hey Ryan, you need to read this. Hey Ryan, listen to this podcast. Hey Ryan, you need to check out this book. Hey Ryan, you need and I do. I appreciate all the recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, I will never get through all the recommendations. Right. And uh, I give myself about. A week of it being in my inbox and if I haven't got to it then I'll, I'll delete it
0: yeah you have to let it go yeah it's
2: right? it's it's not gonna it's not gonna drive me crazy I, I keep the recommendations coming I love them uh-huh. I get to about 1% of them gotcha and that's okay but if I, I have met people who have come to our events and they've got i oh, remember the one dude who he had all the articles saved he had like 600 or 800 like links and his favorites oh, yeah. <laughs> that he was saving to read one day. I do remember and that. And I'm like, dude, you're never going to read 800 articles. Yeah. I was like, just delete them all right now. And he, and he did. And he was like, God, it feels so good. But but I mean, all I did was give him permission
0: to like let go of all these bookmarks. Yeah, it's amazing. That he was never going to get back to. So, so I'm glad you said that. So when I, when I talk about the, the um, today list, Gen- I have more stuff on my today list this week because it's like catching up kind of stuff sure. than I ever have. But for me, a lot of times, I try to get that to nothing. I want nothing on my today list. I want nothing on my calendar Right. because then it's focusing only on my values and my habits, right? Mm-hmm. And so if I have nothing on my calendar, I know the default for me is i need to be focusing on creativity or relationships or contribution and then of course i will give myself permission to then pacify myself Mm. without procrastinating because if i've done everything else then it's great it's not procrastination anymore it's like it's 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 a little reward time to relax yeah yeah man no I, i i totally agree
2: um i mean for me the calendar is huge i wish i was a little bit more organized uh like like you've been and that well like, it, it might the list that you're talking this about. list yeah, actually, yeah no I you check list list this out this is what sounds I, great
0: so I'm, I'm showing it to ryan right now this is what i what i did for jess so this is my my list it just says today tomorrow this week that's all one note mm-hmm. and as i check them off they just disappear they're they're gone they delete them i don't put them somewhere else and say oh i accomplished that and check the box no no no. no. Mm-hmm. i want them deleted that's my i want it gone just like you did with the guy who came to our event delete all of it and so sometimes i can go in some mornings i can go in here and say all right that's actually not important delete delete mm-hmm. delete and then my someday list just has like oh here are the things i need to work on someday right I, I it's it's the if i don't want these to get in the way of what i need to do today though but i know i want to work on it eventually i do have a folder in my uh
2: in my email it's labeled and it's all in caps it's labeled interesting things to do ah and what it is, it's like, um, I just put something in there this morning. I was uh, I was in, uh, I guess it's called the Gorge. It's in Kentucky. I think it's called the Gorge. I don't know. I, I, I think I'm referring to that place, right? Or maybe it's just Gorge, Gorge, Kentucky. I have no idea. Anyway, my buddy was getting married down there and his mom, she has a, uh, she's got this um, program that is all around the date March 4th and it's all about like marching forth <laughs> with oh, yeah. with 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 your life and it's like her day to like just it's it's really inter- it's a really in- interesting concept like she just kind of looks at how the last year went it's kind of her like new years i guess okay um if if you want to look at it that way i'm i don't want to get too much into it cuz i haven't read on it yet but it is something that's really interesting to me and she sent me the course it's like a time to reset right and she sent me this course and it's great like i'm not going to have time to look at that this week or maybe even the rest of this month uh-huh but i guess that's my that is my someday um that's my someday folder where it's like yeah. if i if i'm looking for time to come like oh yeah there are those interesting things i wanted to look at like i'll go to that and, and take a look at it
0: oh and by the way if my someday uh, folder gets longer than a page mm-hmm. like
2: if i have to scroll then i have start to start deleting stuff, stuff yeah, yeah i have to delete stuff yeah i've only got like five things in that interesting things to do but to your point i should probably have a little a little marker on
0: how many is too many so just summing up for joshua hook real quick i, I deal with my habits first my calendar second, and then my today list third. Uh, Those are the things, that's how I prioritize and make sure that only the important things end up in those places. And then when there's free time, then I can work on the things that are less important. Smith
2: Royce writes in, how can a minimalist stay a minimalist in a non-minimalist environment? I live in India and most of the people here, including my family, haven't heard of minimalism or anything like it. And that keeps me From being a
0: minimalist. Oh, Smith Royce,
2: man! You know what? My problem is everyone else too. (laughs) It's not me at all. (laughs) You know, you know, my problem is it's you, Josh. It's you, podcast, Sean, and it's anyone else in my life. (laughs) Those are my problems.
0: You know, here's my short answer for for Smith, and I'll I'll keep it short. Period. Here is. Even a great excuse is still an excuse, right? I mean... I think most minimalists live among countless non-minimalists, including me and Ryan. We live among a bunch bunch of minimalists. And by the way, I live here in America, and most people haven't heard of minimalism here either. And just because someone else in your household isn't a minimalist doesn't mean you can't be. Other people in my house eat bread doesn't mean I have to eat bread too, right? Uh, Other people in my house eat bread means I have to eat bread. Yeah, I mean, even if they're
2: passionate about bread, you can still support their passion without (laughs) you eating bread.
0: Exactly, and so uh, one, one recommendation, Sean put a link to this in the show notes. Matt Diavella just put out a video about minimalist living with a non-minimalist, uh, living with his partner Natalie, and it's a funny video. It's uh, it's on his YouTube channel. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Ryan, he's got a lot of funny videos. It's it's
2: a good it's a good YouTube channel in general. Uh, I've got a I've got a couple different answers. Well, here's the first answer: uh, a person who blames others for their discontentment. Will always rely on others for contentment. Man, that's such a problem. That is a problem, man. Yeah. Because, well, I'll just go into the second answer. My, I was having a conversation with my mom uh, when we were just in Ohio, and she said something just really profound that I, I've, well, mainly, my mom has made some major changes over the last uh, year, two years, um, but I just never thought that I that her she would have this perspective. But what she said was this. She was like, if you have to wait for another to change their life in order for your life to get better, you're fighting a losing battle. Yeah. And it's so true, man. Like if I had to wait around for everyone else to become a minimalist before I became a minimalist, I would never become a minimalist. And this is the same exact uh, that's, situation. That's the <laughs> best pithy answer right there. I <laughs> yeah, love that, you could man. Just, you can put that one in there, Sean. We got three pithy <laughs> answers there. Um, but... Smith Royce, that that is uh, it's just an excuse, and you can. We're not saying that you can or cannot use that excuse. You can do whatever you want, but it is just an excuse. Uh, the, the way that you start becoming a minimalist is you start you start acting in alignment with with what your version of minimalism looks like, mm-hmm. and your friends and family. Uh, hopefully, they will support you. And if you go out of your, if you go way out of your, I was just having a conversation with a mentee yesterday. If someone goes way out of their way to uh, to not support you, fuck them. Like there is no reason to yeah. ever to ever keep someone in your life who goes out of their way to tear you down. Man. So Smith Royce, if you got friends and family who you you you've you've gone to and and you say, hey, look, like I really appreciate the way you guys live and and I love you and I want to support you and and I want to live this way and I really hope that you can appreciate that and you can support me and they're not going to reciprocate that same appreciation and support then then you got to find different people to hang out with. That doesn't mean to like just turn your back on your family, but your obligation to your family at that point is
0: to be nice to them at family gatherings.
2: That's it. Yeah. Yeah, and
0: and, and sometimes being nice means not having to interact with them that much at all. Yeah. And so, yeah, start with yourself, Smith, and and you don't even have to start diving into minimalism. Just simplify a little bit and you'll you'll find some contentment in that. And who knows, other people might start finding contentment in what you're doing and they might follow you in that, that process of simplifying. We've got one more question here from Anna. Anna says, how do you cope with getting back into the swing of busy work life after taking time off. I usually find it hard reading up on the news after taking time away from my phone. And uh, to get the answer to that question, you'll have to uh, tune into our postscript episode. Each week Ryan and I record a postscript episode for The Minimalist Private Podcast. It's a separate separate podcast feed exclusively for our Patreon supporters. Our Patreon supporters help us keep this podcast 100% advertisement free. And we're actually doing a bunch of new cool things over on that feed. So it shows up in your phone, just like this podcast does, but it's a separate private feed. So you're, you'll see the Minimalist podcast, and right there you'll see the Minimalist's private podcast. Each week we have a postscript episode where we answer a question or two or three. But then we're also doing some really cool stuff on, on Saturdays uh, this month. Uh, April and also in May, we're releasing, we have this backlog of Ask the Minimalist Anything audio files that we haven't published. So I think we have four or five, maybe even six episodes of Ask the Minimalist Anything that we haven't put out there yet. And so uh, it's one of my favorite things to do because we we just kind of let our hair down and we have a lot of fun with these live interactions. We also each month do a Ask the Minimalist Anything live stream, a video live stream. And we're also going to do a tour of this new studio space we're in right now Uh, we're going to do that hopefully within the next month or so once we have everything in in working order and then lastly uh the live events we we have a bunch of live events in the can we're going to put out one of those a month we've already released philly and tampa and detroit and uh washington dc is coming this month as well and then i think We're going to do Sydney next month, so a lot of good recordings there. And if you are a Patreon supporter, not only do you get any of the new stuff we put out, but you have access to the entire back catalog. So if you want to support the podcast, just head on over to theminimalists.com, click donate at the top, and become a Patreon supporter. Get access to all the back catalog and all future private podcasts. All right, let's uh, move on real quick, Ryan, to our added value portion of the show. This is where we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. Ryan, there was something I wanted to tell you on the phone because you said something during our Sivers, uh, the, the event we had with, with Derek Sivers, so just the previous podcast episode that came out. You said like one of your, your greatest fears is that people think that we're Jesus Christ. Well, dude, sometimes we, I get that look, man. What do you mean? Like we'll be we'll be at an event,
2: and it's like people, some people, just mm-hmm. and very few. It's not it's not often, but like they look like we're alien or something. They look at us like well, we're, it's admiration. I mean, it's, yeah, it's
0: the same way when I, when I look at someone like um, Matt Carney or John Mayer or something. I think it's it's a type of admiration yeah. in a way. It, it it might be. I guess I guess really when I say that what when I say that what I
2: mean is. We're, we're fallible.
0: Yeah, of we're, course. We're
2: human. We don't have, well, we have all the answers, but they're not all right answers. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, and and, and I, I just, I really, uh I, I really like how with the vast majority, 99.999% of our audience, like we're able to connect with because I think that they, they can look at us and be like, all right, these guys, uh you know, they've got some great insights, um but they don't, take us that seriously. Just like we don't take ourselves that seriously. My favorite compliment is when someone comes up to us and they're like, you know, I really agree with half of what you say. <laughs> and I love that. Cause it's like, Oh, awesome. Like you are, you're forming your own opinions and we're, and we're helping you form those opinions. Yeah. And I really feel honored to be able to help people form their opinions. My, my, my fear is that people will just try and have exactly the same opinion of us with every single thing, which that would be possible because we have different opinions on things.
0: Yeah, yeah. when someone says, I agree with half what you say, I'm like, is it my half or Ryan's half? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm going to start responding with. But you see what I'm saying about that, right? I I I do.
2: I don't think that people really will look at us and expect us to turn water into wine.
0: No, but here's here's why I brought that up. And it's because I have three recommendations. One, it's a movie, a TV series, and a documentary series. And they all sort of deal with this, but the other side of it in a way. And there are three beautiful pieces of art, and dare I say, masterpieces that I've been able to experience uh, while sort of healing or recovering or, or resetting, taking this time to reset has also meant taking more time to do nothing, to to also like just calm down and and either read, I've been reading a lot more, or watch a few things that I find meaningful. So there's a movie I watched on the plane while we were flying in Australia. It was called Equals. And I talked to you and, and Mariah about it recently, but it's, it's sort of a love story, but it takes place in, in a utopian future but every utopia is actually just a dystopia when, mm. when it comes down to it in order to become a utopia it, it it seems pretty dystopian actually but it was a it was a sort of love story that i'm kind of allergic to love stories but this one was like it made me appreciate the relationship i'm in so much kristen stewart's in it
2: yeah 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 and you don't
0: have one degree of separation
2: with acting in a movie with her.
0: Oh yeah, cuz you were in a play. I was right? in a play
2: with a, a girl named Lily Gladstone <laughs> who did a movie with Kristen Stewart.
0: That movie was called So you could practically say that I've won an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> I tell people that you've won an Oscar. They <laughs> say so who's your best friend? Have you have you heard of Kristen Stewart? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm derailing you heard your a little movie I'm called I'm derailing your added value. You heard a little movie called Twilight? <laughs> um No, so so she's in this movie called Equals and it's beautifully shot and it, it's like aggressively minimalist in in the the architecture and the set and it's beautiful, but there's also like this humanity that is missing from from it and you'll see why in the movie i don't want to give any spoilers but if you want to better appreciate the people especially your significant other in your life for me this was a movie that just made me like just just be thankful for the people i have in my life Uh, the second thing i i want to talk about is and i think this is my favorite of the three uh the tv series waco Hmm. you know about Waco yeah Waco Texas right yeah and and what was that 93 I, I would love it to was. see like
2: they did like a documentary on it a while ago but it was this, this was so good it felt like
0: a documentary there was
2: no there was no interviews or anything like it well I shouldn't say that anyway long story
0: short it wasn't the best
2: documentary I've ever seen
0: this, this sounds is, this was a masterpiece this yeah. was without a doubt a masterpiece and uh who was the guy who played uh, Taylor Taylor Kish Kitsch uh, he was in Friday Night Lights and a bunch of other places. Uh, he was in uh, the second season of True Detective, but th- it was like he was meant to be David Koresh. and mm. like he was born to become an actor who would play, eventually play David Koresh. Wow. And the reason I brought up the 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 Jesus thing and being afraid of that, like I'm also fascinated by like when people take the wrong path, yeah. And and you have someone like David Koresh who was clearly charismatic and influential, and I think he bought into his own bullshit, right? Mm. Like I I feel like he really believed like his, his cult (laughs) was uh, he made everyone abstain from sex because he believed it got in the way of, of enlightenment or living, you know, more deliberately living a more meaningful life. And, and so he took on the burden of sex for the entire (laughs) cult. I think my goal is to just have a point
2: where like Mariah and I could just have sex all day (laughs) long. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right
2: and that's a
0: truly meaningful life well he took on the burden and never of, worry about anything else he took the burden of sex on for the entire cult so he decided he was the only one who was going to have sex with all the women for procreation and he's so giving he, well yes but <laughs> there's there's this part in there where like he is having sex with one of the wives and he like stops mid mid you know sex like pre-orgasm and he's she's like what, what why are you stopping and he's like because I was beginning to enjoy it, Good, and like you could tell, like he actually—I think he really bought into all all the BS. But oh, you wow. also you also realize like the whole thing is messed up as as the Branch Davidians were like, and they were cultish. They weren't actually doing anything wrong. I mean, Koresh was, but the rest of them, like, it, well, were they doing anything illegal? That's no, they weren't. Yeah, that, that and that that's that. And when I say wrong, I mean, yeah, they weren't doing anything illegal. And it was it, – to me, this, this this TV series, which I think you can get on – I got it on iTunes. It was a portrait of bureaucratic government overreach and mm. overstepping their bounds just to make sure their bureaucracy continued. It was during the Clinton administration when the ATF – uh, was being defunded a little bit and they're like we have to justify show people why we're so important let's find a high profile place to go raid mm. and that led to what devolved and this thing is so compelling because you know the ending you know what's going to happen right but you want to keep watching it even though you know the ending every moment of this thing is so compelling compelling and the guy uh taylor kitch who plays david koresh i mean oh my goodness, like, you understand why people follow David Koresh when you, when you watch this thing. And the third thing I want to recommend is a documentary series. It is possibly the best documentary I've ever seen. It's, either, it's between that or actually through the gift shop. And Matt and I have been talking, Matt, the director of our documentary, and I have been talking about it. six part series. It's probably about seven hours long total, but it feels condensed. Like it it feels like there isn't an extra moment, but it is so well edited and the interviews are so well stitched together. It's called Wild Wild Country. Have you heard of this? Um, do you know who Osho was? No clue. He was a, a guru in the, the mid 80s. Uh, from india and they sort of accidentally oh. started a, a religion is this this is on netflix it is on netflix yeah, yeah. someone
2: else was telling me about this and um, so
0: they they had this what people would call a cult i actually don't think i would call it a cult and there's a few reasons i wouldn't and i i certainly it's the opposite of sort of the branch davidians uh, it's not a place that i think i would have wanted to be but it was like free sex and and uh, uh but it was a community with no violence are you paying for sex right now well, don't we all pay for sex, Ryan? <laughs> ultimately, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying—free uh, in, in in the sense that, like, oh, free
2: spirited. Oh, free
0: spirited uh, sex. I yeah, gotcha. yeah. Well, and 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 the the ideas behind the community were so antithetical. So they started this. They they started a city in Oregon, and in, in the middle of Oregon, um, and it was it was another example of weird government overreach. Now there were, it was also an example, both of these Waco and, and wild, wild country were examples of when people go into power, how the power corrupts. Osho, Mm. I don't think was that corrupted. I, I don't find a whole lot of value in his teachings or whatever. And, uh, um, I thought it was silly how many Rolls Royces and stuff he owned. Although I think in a way he like had transcended materialism and, uh, Like he owned Rolexes and Rolls Royces. I think none of that stuff mattered to him. Like, I think he was showing that you could coexist with materialism, Hmm. but it didn't really matter to you. Uh, he also has this weird stare that I've heard Sam Harris write and talk about. Um, it's like puts people in a trance. It's one of those stares where he looks at you and is able to talk to you and, and not break eye contact. But in a way, he had these eyes that were so deep. It's the opposite of me because I can't keep eye contact to save my life. <laughs> I'm looking at you right now. This is the most eye contact I've ever kept in my life. Um, <laughs> but he he had this debilitating stare. And uh, But there was, it was this community where thousands of people found value. They built their own city. They were independent. It was true independence. And the government sort of stepped in and and demonized them because they were different. Mm. It was, but he also like they, uh, the person he left in charge started a religion in his name. Oh, good grief! And he 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 said this is the he like got rid of her and. He said, "This is the first time that we've that the world has ever gotten rid of a religion because I don't, I'm not your leader. You're not my followers. I don't want a religion. I don't believe in religion," mm. and it was really just powerful and profound. But the way this thing was edited, it's perfect, man. Mm. It was a perfect documentary series. It made me look at that and say, "Wow! Like this is what is possible." So if you check these out, I know that's a long-winded answer, but I have found so much value in these three creations. You just gave me ten hours of stuff to watch. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll put, I'll put it in my calendar. back. Yeah, report back yeah. And, and thank me later. I'll put that in my yeah, I'll put
2: that in my uh, in my interesting things to do. No, it does sound really awesome, man. I well, I just there, there's another uh, cult movie out there. I think it's called Kumari. Yeah, it's Kumari, and uh, it's about this guy who basically starts a cult as a as like a it's a social experiment to show hey here's how you can start a cult and even though i know it's complete bullshit like an instruction manual yeah i'm going to show you how you can start a cult and how you can get other people to follow all you have to do is you know and then it goes through how he forms this cult right it does like it it, it really goes in a direction i never thought before like or not thought before but thought before i watched the film didn't, you know i had an idea of where this film was leading mm-hmm. and it just it blew my mind how uh just how valuable the perspective was on on this fake cult that he started and then how cuz he eventually reveals that hey guys this is a fake cult i totally started this i pulled all this out
0: of my ass and did they not believe him? Or? I don't want to res- do any spoiler alerts, uh, but it's, cause it's like, it, what you reminded me of is remember <laughs> in fight club where, or like, he, yeah. he, uh, uh, the nameless character comes to his senses and he's like, I'm, uh, uh you know, I'm not Tyler Durden. And, you told us you'd say that. Yeah. And he's <laughs> like, <"No,"> like. <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: No, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting movie. Um, no, I, I love, I, I find those things really interesting. Religion, interesting specifically. Um, Man, you know, just going back before I go on to my added value, I, I thought of uh, recently, this was an Australian, someone came up to me and they were looking at me like I was an alien, you mm. know, and they're like, oh, you're Ryan Nicodemus, the minimalist. Like, oh man, you know, I love your podcast. And like, I, first off, like, I'm so uncomfortable with like saying, because when someone comes up to me, they're like, dude, you saved my life. And and I just look at him and I go, thanks. Like, I, I mean, it just feels like such a, such a crappy way to like, to say or to show them how appreciative I am of, well, there's an of Im- their support. There's an
0: imbalance there that's hard to make up for that, right?
2: Yeah, because I don't want to be like this. You're right. I Of course I helped you save your life. And I don't want to just say thanks. Like there's a balance in between those two things right. that I just haven't mastered yet. Uh-huh. Um, But but regardless, she she said something about – and I could just tell. Like she was kind of looking at like, oh, like you're the minimalist guy. Like you're one of the minimalist guys. And I said something along the lines of, I said, well, hey, um, you know, just so you know, I'm still trying to be a good minimalist. Like, I'm not there yet, and I'll, I'll never get there. And she was like, you're joking, right? She was like, I, "I, that would scare me if that's true. Like, you're not a minimalist yet? And I'm like, and I just brushed it off. I was like, okay, she's not getting, she's not getting what I'm saying. That's uh-huh. okay. But that's exactly what I'm talking
0: about when people they expect this perfection. Yeah. Pedestal mentality. Yeah. yeah. Dude,
2: there, <laughs> I was watching, uh, Mar and I, like if we're bored, like we'll put on Seinfeld or the office or like something that like we, w- w- if we got 20 minutes to kill and we want to just sit there and cuddle on the couch, like we'll, you know, turn one of these things on in the office. Like it was, um, there's an episode where, uh, long story short, um, there was a wedding. One of the people went up to w- one of the members at the wedding and, and uh, she was, you know, pleading, saying something like, "Well, you know, um, I know I'm not perfect, and uh, and that's okay because nobody's perfect, right?" And this woman looks at this person trying to, you know, get their acceptance. <laughs> looks at her and says, "Well, I wouldn't care to live if I thought that." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Yeah, yeah it's just, it's just uh, that's the mentality that I'm scared of, I yeah. guess." Um, my so I've God, we've we been talking about. Uh, a lot about coffee, um, I feel like, in the last 10 or 20 episodes, or at least I well, have been. That's
0: good, because Joshua Weaver is downstairs right now, waiting on us. Waiting for us. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, my added value is basically my coffee kit. I've got... Uh, people at, People have been asking me about my grinder, about uh, what kind of pour-over I use, what kind of kettle I use. I'm just going to put it all here in the show notes. So, if you're interested in what I use at home, this is not my travel kit. This is what I use at
0: home. So, grinder. I, I, I use Tinder personally. You You... <laughs> think grinder is a better option personal preferences man yeah yeah whatever I mean, your preferences so are josh i support your preferences what adds value to your life may not add value to mine as we say all right let's move on to uh actually we're gonna do a, a coffee crawl this weekend i'm really excited about that because weaver knows all the best shops to go to around los angeles how, yeah i
2: love how he lives in florida and knows Knows more about coffee in L.A. than we do.
0: Whenever we go to a city, I'm like, hey, we're going to be in Adelaide, Australia. Where should I go? He's like, here are the seven places I'd recommend. Yeah, uh, yeah so we, we get to hang out with him. I wish Sarah was with him, too, his his wife. But someone has to hold down the fort. You can't right. let all of the, uh, the animals run the zoo, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, let's move on to right here, right now. That's where we talk about what's going on in the lives of The Minimalists. I already talked about the video podcast. That's coming soon once we get to enough Patreon supporters. YouTube.com slash The minimalist, you you can subscribe to that. Also, um, since we're talking about resetting today, Ryan, my partner, Rebecca, she runs a website called Minimal Wellness, and uh, about once a quarter, she does a 23-day reset for people. It's a priorities reset, helping people identify and reset their priorities over a 23-day period. Uh, she t- has only 30 seats because she does one-on-one mentoring with them, in addition to daily videos and and different emails and things that she sends out. So she does a daily video for folks. She also does a, a weekly live stream, and she does uh, uh, she does some one-on-one coaching with with people as well. So. That's limited to 30 people. I think there are still some seats left for the May Reset. So you can go to minimalwellness.com and you can check that out. Also, a bunch of new essays coming to the website. Make sure you're on our email list if you want to receive those. Also, you'll get the show notes that show up in your inbox every time we put out a new podcast episode. You hear me constantly saying, hey, Sean, put that in the show notes, or Ryan saying you'll find that in the show notes. Well, we email those right to you and we'll never, ever send you any spam because Spam is disgusting. Ryan, you got anything else for us? Finally, here are some voicemail comments and tips from our
2: listeners. Hey guys, my name is Aria. I'm calling from Boston, Massachusetts, and I just wanted to recommend an application for your computer um, for disciplining yourself and preventing you from uh, pacifying yourself and distracting social media platforms. It's, uh, it's called self-control. And what it does is you create a list of websites that you don't want to visit, um, that you want to avoid for a certain period of time, and you add it to this list and set a timer. And once you set that timer, um, whatever internet browser you're using, it won't allow you to visit these websites until that timer is up.
3: Hi, my name is Diane, and I'm calling from the San Francisco Bay Area. And I just finished listening to your media episode, and I loved it. I've been researching, interviewing, and writing about the components of a meaningful life for over a decade. And that just hit so many points of what I've been thinking about lately with my own work. I'm a hospice volunteer, and one of the greatest privileges of my life is sitting with people during their final days and just listening to their stories. It's such a privilege, and I think I might approach meaning from a slightly different perspective than the two of you, but when I found your podcast a few months ago, I was totally hooked. I enjoy them all, but this recent one about media, it's just really got me sitting here thinking, and I actually stopped exercising and deleted all the social media apps off my phone while I was listening to you both, delete yours as if like I was doing it at the same time as if it was live or something. But mine are all deleted too. But I wanted to say a couple things in regard to that episode. Um, one is an idea I have for teenagers. Um, it's something that worked with my daughter and several other teenagers that I know because I noticed them comparing themselves to the people on what I call fake book. And their perfect bodies and perfect lives and boyfriends and everybody just feeling like the other person is having so much more fun. So um, I ask the kids, you know, are these really your friends? And or even how do you define a friend? And lots of them have thousands of friends. And so what I do is I challenge them to sit with me and go through their list of friends and delete anyone that they can't give me at least two facts about. How did you meet? Where do they go to school? Where do they live? Anything. I'm always surprised by how many kids can't even give me two facts. And then they're always surprised when they go through this process on their list of face, face, fake book, Facebook. See, I can't even say it. Friends list just cuts in half. So my suggestion is just to try to ask their teenagers to delete everyone they can't give at least two facts about. And then my suggestion is that we set aside one day a year and call it National Deletion Day or something like that, where everyone goes online and does the exact same thing that you guys did, a massive deletion from their social media list of friends and people they're following who they know nothing about. I would just love to see how many imaginary relationships could end in one single day. Hi, this is Shelley Lipman and I'm from Windsor, Connecticut. I had a thought regarding shredding. There's a lot of people who don't want to purchase a shredder, but all of a sudden they'll be cleaning out and they have a lot of shredding to do. So here's a couple of ideas. The first one is to call your local banks. A lot of them will offer free shred days, and you don't have to uh, belong to that bank to take advantage of that. If you don't want to hold on to the shredding until a bank has a free shred day, the other option is to call places like Easterfield, who work with People with disabilities, a lot of them will have shredding operations and for a pretty reasonable fee will shred all of your stuff and the money goes back to Easter Seals and it offers, um, you know, uh, employment for people who have disabilities.
0: All right, y'all. That's it for this episode. If you have a question for the minimalists, give us a call. 406-219-7839 you can also email a voice memo to podcast at minimalists.com. and if you leave here with just one message we hope it's this love people and use things because the opposite never works thanks for listening y'all we'll see you next time
1: every little thing you gotta reach for, and you gotta grab. Oh, I bet that you be fine without it. So tear your eyes away, or tear your eyes away.